And that, of course, Leta Mbulu saying it is not yet Uhuru. And for many South Africans, they say it is not yet Uhuru because of our electoral system and what it actually presents us. Now, this debate is by no means new. And it has, of course, come up again sharply of late with uh, political parties and civil society groups calling for its review. The discussion was first raised uh, during the Fonsale Slubbard Commission, which was set up in 2002 uh, to review the incumbent electoral system in South Africa and draft legislation for an electoral system for the next national and provincial elections. And although its recommendations were shelved, experts say that the current electoral system even if it is not perfect, should not be the target of institutional reform and that the electoral system reform alone will not fix such issues as accountability and state corruption, while others say that the discussion should be put put firmly on the table again. So this morning we revisit this discussion on electoral reforms in South Africa. And joining us for the discussion, uh, Ibrahim Fakir, Director of Programs at ASRI, which is a public policy institute Thank you so much for speaking to us. Hi, good morning, Sakina. Thanks for having me. And we also have uh, Advocate Pansi Tlakula, former chairperson of the Independent Electoral Commission and current chairperson of the African Commission on Human and People's Rights. Thank you so much for your time as well. Uh, thank you very much and, and happy Freedom Day. Thank you. So, Ibrahim, let me start with you. Is the solution to some of the problems that we see today in South Africa a reform of our electoral system? And what are the strengths and weaknesses of the system that we currently have? Gosh, um, Sakira, look, I mean, I think what happens is that every time we reach a point of political crisis, uh, and of course we've been doing so repeatedly over the past few years, unfortunately, People assume that the change in the electoral system is going to be the panacea for it. So sometimes it's often invoked conveniently, and people would say if we directly elected our president instead of indirectly elected him through the national or her through the national assembly uh, or through a sitting of parliament, uh, then we would have a much more directly accountable president, and we'd be able to remove him or her um, more quickly. I'm not sure that that's necessarily true. In fact, I like to argue that it's better to indirectly elect um, the president in that in in that in that two two tier way because it creates two levels of oversight and two levels of accountability. Uh, because often when you directly elect a president, you create what are in effect presidential monarchs. So that's the first uh, set of things I'd like to say. The second is that, yes, I think some change in the electoral system would be necessary, particularly in going along with what the Slubbard Commission recommended, which is a mixed electoral system, which has a all of the benefits of a proportional representation system, which are inclusivity, diversity, representativity. Because, you know, it's a simple, direct translation of the number of votes that a party or individual gets, and in our case particularly a party, and a simple translation of that percentage support into the proportion of seats which are available for representation. So it bears that sort of advantage of (laughs) inclusivity, diversity, representativity. Uh, And it makes provision for the ability for women, minorities, smaller groups to be represented. But if you mix it, you will bring in the benefits of a first-past-the-post or a direct ward election. So people have a closer fit. Uh, to the representative that is elected within a particular constituency. The problem with that is that it does require fairly smally drawn wards so that there is, in fact, a real fit between a representative and and the people in that constituency. But the one counterexample to that is our local government system in which we have what I would call almost a perfect mix between proportional representation and direct ward election. Uh, where people assume that because you have elected ward councillors directly, there is a direct fit, there is a close relationship, they would be more accountable, there might be better oversight, and that isn't unfortunately the case, particularly at local government level. So, look, I think system changes can help. They can make 
and improve institutional oversight and accountability, but they aren't always the panacea because, I mean, I think there's a delicate balance between a change in the system and some kind of change in our political culture, not just in society generally, but especially within political parties. And Advocate uh, Tlakula, um, as I said, this is by no means a new uh, debate. It's by no means a new discussion. You were part of that uh, uh, commission that were tasked to look into uh, electoral system reform. And talk to us about, you know, the sort of discussions that you engaged on then and how those are still relevant today. I think I should start by saying that uh, the task team was uh, established to hold a consultative meeting with a view, uh, with various stakeholders, with a view of identifying a preferred electoral system for the national and provincial elections. There was sort of agreement between um, the members of the task team that uh, an electoral system has to be judged against four values, being the value of fairness, which means that all votes cast uh, must be equal in value uh, in determining the number of uh, elected representatives. And then that the system must be inclusive, it must be simple, and it must contribute to accountability in the sense that uh, it has to ensure that uh, members who are elected are accountable to the electorate. We were all in agreement that our current uh, system is fair, it's inclusive, and the value of inclusivity was actually very important, taking into consideration our political and historic uh, context. Uh, it was, it's inclusive because it allows as many political parties as possible to participate in an election. Even the smallest can still um, gain a seat in, in Parliament or in the provincial legislature. We were also agreed about uh, the value of simplicity, that our current system is not complex. Uh, even people who, with no formal education can cast their votes with ease. I think the sticking point was on the issue of accountability. And the question was whether an electoral system can make elected representatives accountable, or whether we should put other systems and processes in place to improve on the accountability of um, elected representatives. Those of us, and I was one of those, I have to declare that I was one of the four, if I remember well, members, who wrote a minority uh, uh, take on this. We, we did not agree, we did not think that the current system, um, you, you know, that you can deal with accountability through an electoral system. We also felt that uh, the system that was being proposed would probably be a little bit complex because the proposal was to have 69 constituencies, which means that uh, parties had to compile 70 lists, 69 for the constituencies and one for the national. At the moment, parties only compile 10 lists. We also felt that, uh, you know, um, the system would also be a little bit uh, more costly. And we felt that, uh, look, with where we were at that time, which was 2003, that, uh, the, you know, we still needed to foster nation building and not go to, to, a, uh, to a system that might just fragment uh, the country politically. Now, fast forward 2017, where are we in terms of nation building? It looks like, you know, we are actually regressing. If you just look at uh, the racial issues that uh, we are dealing with, it's 
it looks like uh, as you uh, play the song, it's not yet Uhuru. Racism is uh, rearing its ugly head. You see polarization between different racial groups. And I go back to what I said. I don't think the time has come for us. I don't think we should be tampering with our electoral system. And one of the concerns that I had at that time, if you looked at the way that the constituency boundaries were being drawn, my view was that uh, they reinforced the apartheid uh, boundaries because we looked at the constituency uh, in the north of Pretoria. You'd have a constituency which was composed of Haramzwa only, for instance, to give you an example. So I had, we had our own concerns with the proposal that was put in place at that time. So, Ibrahim Fakir, you already stated, you know, what your views are on this, but with regard to Advocate uh, Tlakula's view on this, and also this point um, of whether the electoral system, reforming our electoral system, would necessarily be the answer if it is the quality of people whom we are choosing at the moment as our politicians seems to be the sticking point. Well, absolutely. It's the quality of the people and the quality of the parties and the quality of internal democracy and oversight and accountability processes within political parties. So if you have political parties, and make no mistake, our system is a heavily party-geared system. So even at local government level, where we are electing at least uh, 60 or 40 percent of the people directly as individuals, um, they still often and frequently uh, beholden to their parties and and abide by what in narrow terms are party discipline. So, you know, the individual culture, the societal culture, the political party culture, those matter equally as much for the way in which accountability and the incentives that parties have once they are in representative institutions to exercise oversight it matters on that political culture. So I think he's absolutely right. The quality of people, the quality of internal democracy in parties matter equally as much as the system. But we shouldn't make a mistake that like, no system interventions can help. But, you know, making the argument too strongly on the other side that suddenly if you change the system, you'll rapidly see a change in... Uh, the way in which people in institutions behave, that they will be less beholden to their party leaderships, that they won't allow some of the more egregious decisions and behaviors within political parties. They'll simply won't let it pass. Uh, They'll suddenly display, display a greater independence of mind. So if you take many, even African countries, for example, Zimbabwe, which has a direct not just presidential election, but direct election of people in constituencies, representatives in constituencies for, for MPs. Frequently, they don't display as much an independence of mind as we like to ascribe to them. They often still remain beholden to positions determined by their parties. Um, the U- UK, England, is, is another example. Forget the Brexit referendum. But if you think about their normal election into the House of Commons, it is a simple first-past-the-post in a ward. You directly elect a person. And frequently they take positions, even when their constituencies suggest otherwise, to what their parties determine. What is also true, though, however, on the flip side, is that the opportunity for for displaying a greater independence of mind in a different electoral system is there. And perhaps if that potential does exist, we should think about changing 22, 23 years into our transition, uh, introducing some of these changes, at least in the system, so that some of the system changes might introduce changes in political culture. But I would echo the warning of Advocate Lakula in the sense that when we redraw the boundaries for constituencies, if you want a mixed system, you have to address the spatial apartheid planning patterns which appear at the moment to be reinforced, not just in the provincial boundaries, which still sometimes hark back to the way in which some of the Bantustans were created under apartheid and then just included within them in the provinces, areas surrounding and so forth. But, but in reality, our provincial boundaries, if we use that as a mark of a constituency, then those boundaries are no good because they entrench not just ethnic 
but also racial kind of patterns, spatial patterns. And secondly, they're just simply too big as constituencies. Even at, at our local government level, if you want a mixed system and you think you can draw boundaries the way they are at the moment, they're simply too large to facilitate what people hope for, which is a closer fit between a constituency and its elected representatives. These are just woefully too big. It is impossible to almost have a close fit with your local government representative when constituencies are this big. Um, and our local government our local government dispensation provides e enough evidence for that to be the case. So I think people need to think carefully about how they use their vote, how they interact with elected representatives, and how they interact with political parties, because it is not simply a change in the system which is going to, which is going to introduce these hoped-for changes with regard to accountability. Of course, they have greater potential to do so, but a change in the system won't itself institutionally see greater oversight, greater accountability, uh, more responsiveness. And if, of course, you know, uh, this is about the political landscape reflecting the balance of public opinion, then how important is it then for the public to get involved in discussions uh, when, whether there should or should not be electoral reform, uh, Advocate Lakula? Well, you know, when we um, set on that uh, testing in 2003, the views of uh, the electorate was canvassed. And at that time, a very large percentage, I think more than 70, were satisfied with the current uh, electoral system. And 68% even said that uh, the current system lends itself to accountability. Now, I don't know if one has to conduct a survey today what the outcome will be, um, but... I think I also want to add to what uh, Ibrahim is saying. Let us look at our current uh, local government system where we have people who are elected directly through the wards. I don't know, Sakina, if you, you know your ward uh, council. I do know you my ward councillor. You, you're <laughs> probably one of the few. I think an average person in South Africa doesn't know who their ward um, councillor is. And the ward councillor, I don't even think that he or she frequently interacts with the people in his or her ward. So that buttresses the point that the electoral system on its own cannot improve and the issue of accountability. I think we need to strengthen internal party democracy and make it more robust so that people who emerge within a party will have, you know, convinced the electorate that they have what it takes to represent us. We have to look at many other things uh, within uh, our political uh, uh, system, the issue of transparency and disclosure is a big issue for me. The issue of proactive disclosure of party funding, for instance, which is something that we have been uh, skating around for quite a while. Those are some of the issues that I think we need to be looking into. Because like Ibrahim has said, we have countries like the DRC, like South Sudan, Central African Republic. They elect their president directly. They have a constituency system where members of uh, parliament spend on individual merit in their stability, uh, in, in those their accountability. No. So it means that the answer lies elsewhere, not in the electoral system. Well, what is your view as the listener here on SAFM? Uh, do you agree? Uh, what would you like to see uh, when it comes to electoral system reform? Do you think the system is adequate as it stands? Do you think there should be reform? And if so, 
why and how. And we'd love to hear from you. 0891-104-208. And you can also uh, tweet us at AM Live on SAFM or send us an SMS to the number 40938, which will be charged at 150 per SMS. And it's interesting, you know, because uh, one of the questions uh, that uh, one of the discussions that uh, that task team uh, under Fonsail Slubbard, who chaired it, was uh, seized with, was talking about the simplicity of the system and Advocate Lakula asking the question, do you know who your ward councillor is? I do know who my ward councillor is. Um, I even know who my representative in parliament is. But again, it's not a simple system. So when your uh, uh, parliamentarians say that they're going back uh, to do some word, uh, some work in their constituencies, where exactly do they go? Do you know who your representative is in parliament? Mine is a certain Miss Abrams and my ward councillor is uh, Mr. Rafferty. So I know who mine are. Do you know who yours are? Why don't you know? Let's talk about all of these matters and whether you believe that there is need for... Um, at least at the very beginning, a discussion and perhaps later on electoral system reform. It's your favorite time of the morning. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo. Favorite time of the morning on AM Live. And bringing you your Freedom Day edition of um, AM Live and the Forum at 8. And this morning we're discussing electoral system reform and we want to hear your views on this. Our guest this morning, Ibrahim Fakir, who is the Director of Programs at ASRI, a public policy institute, and uh, Advocate Pansit Lakula, former chairperson of the Independent Electoral Commission and current chairperson of the African Commission on Human and People's Rights. So what are your views and and, and what do you make of this? And uh, just a quick one before I get to the call. Ibrahim Fakir. Um, some people are asking about, uh, or at least uh, saying, making the statement that unless there is um, some reform with regard to the constitution, uh, we will not be able to effect uh, changes to our electoral system. Do you agree with that? No, I don't necessarily agree with that. The constitution <clears throat> does not prescribe and only did so for the first two elections, the nature of the electoral system. The Constitution just gives guidelines in terms of the values and principles, and those principles were already spelled out by, by Advocate Lakula, but they, 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 they're worth repeating. Um, of course, it must be inclusive, uh, it must be representative and promote a level of accountability, and thirdly, it must promote a level of diversity, and fourthly, that it must bear the value of proportionality so that there is a simple translation between a body of support expressed in society as expressed in the distribution of seats in a representative institution. So that's the only values that the Constitution spells out. The nature of the system, so if you have some mixed system which results overall in a proportional distribution of the seats, uh, that will that will conform with the values of the Constitution. And many people say that if you take a mixed system as currently proposed by the Slubbard Commission report, uh, that you would you would still be conforming with all of the values of the Constitution. So no, I know it's very tempting for everyone to rubbish the Constitution because you know it hasn't brought about sufficient social change or radical economic transformation, and now suddenly the Constitution hinders the way in which we can change the electoral system. I'm afraid that's not the case. The Constitution is no hindrance either to social change or to more radical redistribution in our society, particularly on the economy, and nor does it uh, inherently limit the options available for us for changing the for changing the electoral system. So it's not the Constitution that's the problem. It's our ability to use the instruments available to us, particularly in government, uh, that, has, that has retarded the way in which we haven't progressed at the rate and pace at which you would have liked. Well, we're going to take some calls now. 0891-104-208. Our guest this morning, Ibrahim Fakir and Advocate Pansy Tlakula. Mike in Sedgefield, good morning. Hi, Fakina. Good morning to all of you. I just want to make one point, and that is that the uh, adoption of the part of national politics into local government was absolutely damaging. And the reason I say this is because it encourages the people who we elect to put the interests of the party first. Um, I was actually the mayor of Sedgefield before the change at the, at the turn of the century, and I was horrified by what I saw happen. In Sedgefield days, we knew exact, we knew who was uh, 
within which party, but they all put the interests of the community first. Now what we see is a system where the interests of the party uh, tend to be put first, and it won't change because the politicians feel that they get better, they're better rewarded that way. And the national government thing is just another problem, and I'm going to stop talking now and let your guests comment. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mike in Sedgefield. Uh, uh, let's go to Port Shepston now, and uh, Pete is in Port Shepston. Good morning. Good morning, Maria. Yes, Pete. Yes, madam. I, I want to to stress that uh, this system is robbing us of 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 representativity. Because what happens? I've got a problem. I don't know my 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 what councillor whom I've directly uh, uh, elected is afraid of his party or her party. And then you go to the provincial. I, I had a problem about my salary, about my payment, or for my pension. I had to go. Even everybody is afraid of the party. But if we can have an MP we know, who have not known our MPs since, ever since 94, because they are not accountable to us. And another thing, the party is prone to corruption because it's easy to buy a party than to buy the whole community. Because if you buy the whole community, that is development. But if you buy a party, the party does what, and the party will not help you because the people representing the party are afraid. I've gone to many places with my problem until I went to the court. I have no money, but I, 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 I ask that we must have somebody to represent us. I was in the Transkai formally. We had a mixed system chiefs who are not elected, and me- those members were, uh, were elected directly, were doing, were, were used to, because they are afraid that we'll, 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 we'll even have a right to, 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 to spare them, okay. the, the constituency. But this system doesn't give the right to the individual people. It gives, and the parties are organized things. And the ordinary people are not organized. They don't care for organization, but they've got a vote, which is useless. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much, Petley and Paul Chipston. Owen is in George. Good morning, Owen. Good morning and good morning to your guest. Um, the previous guest, has, uh, the previous caller just mentioned something I wanted to elaborate on. It's about uh, how accountable are parliamentarians to, to the people. But the other point I'd like to propose is that we should uh, actually di- directly elect a president, and we should introduce a, a prime minister. But the president should have limited powers, um, and the prime minister should be accountable to the president. In the current system, the president is only accountable at times to the party. And that's all I'd like to say. All right. Thank you so much, uh, George, uh, rather Owen in George. Let me also just read a few messages before our panel responds. Uh, Tebza Ian Mashiko says, we really need to reform our electoral system. I don't even know who my ward councillor and MP are. And uh, a few others also coming in. Um, Pleasure Mongalo says, until we adopt the Freedom Charter fully, we will continue being marginalized. Even Ramaphosa won't bring us honey. Uh, Zolani says, the proportional uh, representation is a faulty system uh, at Mfundi CGP. Um, the people of Matatiel are now moving to KZN, but the people of Wani can't even change a municipality. This is a funny democracy. And Tabo Daniel says, the current system is easily manipulated. If Trump was our president, he would have already implemented his uh, disorder disabilities here. And um, some on the... Uh, SMS line as well. Uh, this one says the system is not accommodative of African values. That's from Musso. And uh, Dan says, please ask your guest to comment on the Swiss system regarding maximum devolution of power referenda and the power to recall. So let's uh, stick to those for the time being. Advocate Lagula, you get to go first. Yeah, I think there's a misconception that if we elect uh, our president directly, he or she will be coming as a, an independent candidate. 
he will still be coming, you know, contesting as a, a party candidate. I think we have to make that very clear. We also have to clarify uh, the fact that even the system that was proposed by the electoral trust team was still a party uh, list system. Just that uh, you had within that uh, a constituency-based system. And the point that people are making, I think there seems to be some confusion that I am picking up. The, the system that we have at local government level uh, is a must or it's supposed to improve accountability, but it doesn't. The people who called, three of them, said, I don't know who my ward candidate is. So it means that even if we change our current national provincial election system to constituency system, we will still have a problem where people tell you, I don't know uh, the uh, member of parliament in my constituency, my constituency is. So as I have indicated, we have to look for the solution elsewhere of making our public representatives accountable. People don't even probably understand the problem of money in politics where you elect your president directly. You're talking about huge money. Look at the system in the United States of America where you run uh, as an individual. You have to have massive, massive resources. And I think that uh, as we debate our electoral system, we also have to take that into consideration. The fact that uh, there are issues of corruption in our country and in other countries, if a president has to run directly, we're also introducing a problem of big, the influence of money in politics. Ibrahim, and, and, and if you could also reflect on, um, you know, what is also coming through very strongly in the messages and uh, some of the callers also raised it, this issue of removing uh, representatives with whom you are unhappy. Well, I mean, <clears throat> that would require <clears throat> a recall clause. And you can think about how you can put in uh, thresholds for recall of a sitting MP. But in a pro- proportional representation system as we have now, it's almost impossible to just recall at least an MP. But at local government level, I mean, people do all kinds of things. The worst and most egregious of which we've seen happening over the last decade is people taking to the streets. And that people don't know who their ward councillor is, and this is in fact quite telling, uh, is not the fault of the system. You've directly elected a ward councillor. And if you don't know who the ward councillor is, well, then it's the con- it's the councillor's fault because they're not either visible enough and unresponsive enough. And unfortunately, the latter part of the problem is yours because you've directly elected, or, or that community and constituency directly elected that ward councillor in a ward as a person uh, when you vote for that person in the local government system. So, you know, you both have to share and apportion the blame in that case, I'm afraid. Um, and, and I, I mean, you, you know, the two examples and callers of se- are suggesting in the Transkai, in Sedgefield, we had a system which was different because we directly elected people, they feared the community more. Yes, a direct election in a constituency can potentially, and I have to underline the word potentially, bear a closer fit between you and the representative and you can hold them to account easier because they're more easily identifiable, they will carry the interest of that constituency and the community forward, yet that's possibly true too. Um, they might fear not being re-elected and so they will do the kind of things that a community would ask them to do, so they they overall more and appear to be more responsive. But let's not fall into the seductive temptation of thinking that because at that time, the Transkai, in inverted commas, was relatively homogenous. There were no racial cleavages. There were far fewer uh, class cleavages. There were f- far fewer social cleavages amongst those communities, whether Sedgefield, whether Transkai. It's easy in that apartheid devised system to have a community which believes that its social cohesion and its interests are so closely mirrored by each other that electing this representative would easier reflect what the community's interests are. 
you think about the diversity that exists, particularly in metropolitan areas today, and whether you would find one individual or even one political party which is going to speak to the variegated interests of seven or eight different cleavaged communities and constituencies in that community. So that's a question people have got to ask themselves, that, uh, you know, this kind of system intervention, given the changing social structure and social dynamics, are not that easy. Then people say, let's have a prime minister and a president. Well, why? We just have a prime minister. Will be, will, be, will be more accountable. The idea and this temptation has always been there. We must have a directly elected president so we can more easily remove him. Well, unfortunately, the evidence is, 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 on, on, is different. Um, it is almost impossible to remove President Mugabe because of the nature of that directly elected presidential system. In Malawi, five years ago, a certain person was elected directly as the president. They then left their political party. Their political party said, you stood on our ticket, you were elected, but we don't want you anymore. And the person turned around and said, I was directly elected, whether I stood on your back of, as the, of the party or not. I now resign from this party, I'll join a new party, but I remain president. I'm going nowhere. Now contrast that with the way in which President Mbeki was asked politely to resign. And if he didn't resign from his party, as they, as they suggested and asked him to do, there were two sections of the Constitution that could have been invoked in order to, 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 to remove him or her. The same is true now. That you're unable to do so is the fault of the political culture within a political party. It is not the fault of the system. So having a directly elected president uh, I might repeat, and, and Advocate Lakula has re-emphasized this, is not going to immediately mean that you will get rid of uh, the person. I would propose, look, if you want a mixed system, I think it's worth going for, but let's think about how the boundaries are drawn and how the constituencies are drawn, and perhaps if we need to reduce the size of the constituencies, it would mean that we would increase the size of the number of representatives up to about 600 or so. And we wouldn't be the first. There are countries which have six to 800 MPs sitting mm -hmm. in their parliaments. The second intervention we can make in the current system, at least if you want to improve oversight, is to introduce a minimum threshold for support even in a pure proportional representation system. Because at the moment, if you think about this, there's about 10 political parties which represent less than 10% of the electorate because of the simple proportionality of our system. And you've got parties with simply one or two people sitting in Parliament. And given how our system is geared, particularly our government system, where things uh, happen on the, on the basis of portfolio committees and roughly about 40 or 50 portfolio committees in Parliament, those smaller parties can very rarely cover many portfolios. Now, I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't have the board representativity. I think we should. But I think we do need to introduce a minimum threshold, for example, 0.25% or 0.5% support. Because at the moment, there's two or three political parties which are in Parliament because the formula that we use to calculate the distribution of seats gives them an advantage. We have no minimum threshold which says you must have X number of minimum support in order to qualify for a seat. So we've got 15 different political parties in Parliament, some smaller ones which don't really play an effective oversight role. So I think making a small incremental change and introducing a small threshold might in fact improve institutional oversight a little better than it currently is. Well, we'll continue taking your calls after this break. 0891-104-208. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live. Turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. Thank you so much for tuning in and judging by your comments. This will not be the last time that we have this discussion and uh, perhaps even debates going forward about electoral system reform because there are counter views to the ones that we are hearing this morning and uh, people with different proposals as to what should be done. And uh, we hope to touch on as many of those as we can. But right now we continue taking your calls. 891 Our guest this morning, Ibrahim Fakir and Advocate Pansi Tlakula. Advocate Sipa Mantula, good morning to you. Refreshing money, Sister uh, Sakina, and to your guest. Sister Sakina, I think we have the cream of electoral system or electoral knowledge in this country and beyond. For me, what I'm just picking up again, 
is the issues around the electoral system as one of the dispute matters that we still face Africa, we still face Africa. And I'm so humbled that we are saying this, way, this is going to be a continuous debate because I think the issue of education is very critical. The issue of empowering electorates about the electoral system because they are the ones who are casting their vote. But one thing that I'm pushing up again is the issue of presidential term limits as, as one of the future crises that we'll be facing. And maybe finally one will say our same electoral system uh, at, at uh, a local government, it was raised yesterday at UNISA when we were talking about accountability and the absence of the representatives because elections is all about representation and governance. So if you miss those representatives, then it is a ghost system that it is not working. Instead, it is promoting corruption. Thank you so much, Advocate Mantula. Felix in Alspreet, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah. Hello? We're listening, Felix? Yes, yes. I think your guests in the, in the studio are mixing the issues. Uh, there are two issues here. To have a democratic electoral system and for that system to be accountable. There are two issues. Now, if, if I give you a vehicle to drive you to the promised land, it does not mean you are going to get to the promised land. It means you have to drive that vehicle. But at least I have to give you the vehicle first. Now, the democratic electoral system means that the people shall elect directly their representative. That's what it means. What we are practicing now is not democratic at all. The people cannot, cannot, cannot elect their premier. They cannot elect their, their, their parliamentarian directly. They cannot elect their president directly. Everything is party-based. And the party can can give you anybody. They can give you a lunatic for a president. You don't have a choice. That is not what democracy means. First of all, get the, de- get the definition right. The people must elect their representative directly. Now, whether they now use it properly or they don't use it properly, it's a different issue. You don't mix the two issues. And that's what I'm trying to say now. Get the electoral system right first. Let the people elect directly their representative first, the premier, the, the parliamentarians, everybody. Let them elect them first by themselves. Then if they use it properly later, that is another case. All right, Felix. Uh, Sam in Mtata, good morning. Morning. Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. Yes. Uh, very interested in this topic. Uh, I do not prefer the current system of the electorate because this system it, it favors only politicians. Uh, this system uh, is undermining the electorates, the people of South Africa. So I want a system whereby I will be able to elect my own candidate, uh, whereby I'll be able uh, to, to, to let him account because he, is, he or she is representing me, and I'm, I'm the one who is elected uh, the candidate. So I- oh, unfortunately, seem to have lost Sam there, uh, but I think we get what he is saying. Uh, ZD and KZN, good morning. Good morning to you and your guest, Sakina. I just want to bring one thing to your notice. So one of the callers that called and said about the, old, about the new system and the old system. Let me tell you, I observe the old system. The old system, you elect a person from your neighborhood or someone in your town who you're quite familiar with. But what happens after he's elected? He's left, he's sold his house, he's gone to another town, another country. You left without a counselor. It happens so many times. And uh, either way, it doesn't work. It just depends on the dedication of the individual counselor, on whether he's dedicated to society or whether he's not dedicated to society. It's a mindset of the counselor on how he compromises his duty towards society. Thank you, ZD. Mike Newlands, good morning. You're our last caller. Uh, good morning. Good morning, the panel. Two things. First of all, I will disagree on the this. Uh, that Ibram is saying that the councillors are a case where you know people don't 
uh, it's, it's half their fault. It's not the case. Electing a councillor or standing as a councillor in South Africa is extremely difficult because there's many things that come into play, food parcels, bribes, corruption. Uh, you know, the, 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 the SABC for everyone will never fly DA ads or does and it doesn't. So trying to sell a brand into a lot of areas in, in South Africa where councillors are standing is very difficult. The so second thing is I would ask your, your guest to ask himself a question. Why is it in the Encundler debacle Every single ANC bar, I think two who walked out the chamber, voted for the false phony report uh, supporting Jacob Zuma. The simple reason for that is that he has brought every single one of those members. They are there because he put them there, which tells you that the constituency system basis is the only solution. It is, is in fact, the panacea for all our problems. Because I can assure you, if we had a constituency-based system, half those MPs would not be there. There's not a question about that. They are there at the behest of the president of the country, which is why our country is literally on the brink of economic disaster, why he goes ahead and forces through nuclear deals, which are unconstitutional, because he has every single ANC MP who's there because of his stomach. Thank you so much, uh, Mike. And I think uh, one of the things Mike says there about what Ibrahim was saying about accountability from the listeners, it's because I, I think you may have misunderstood and Ibrahim can correct me if I misunderstood. I think Ibrahim meant that it is partly your responsibility to know who your councillor is uh, in as much as it is the councillor's responsibility to also make sure that his constituency, uh, constituency actually knows about his or her presence. And then um, Thoni says, at this rate, Sakina, I think South Africa should go to elections every three years. Uh, Zuma taught us the hard way. Jim uh, Pasquale Augustine says, the DA in Eustenberg-Flakte here in Cape Town only contact us before elections and never after. KB says, there's no perfect electoral system. We need to take responsibility and stop voting for thieves. And Kosnati Mlochwa's contribution this morning says, I know who my councillor is. He stays in another ward, and I don't know who represents me in Parliament, though. Nkosimpile Mkunu says, SK, maybe we need fewer parties. Seriously. Mr. Mgedze, uh, why and how do we elect someone we don't know? We are also to blame here. Uh, Tzala says, um, who elects district mayors? Who do they represent? And uh, Tabo says, uh, federal system is the best system of all. Look at how the U.S. operates. If we want to manage or host a World Cup, uh, then we can afford to do this as well. Sam Ditejo says, I suggest that the elections be held every four years since five years is too long, especially if you have crooks in power. Dilega says, I think the challenge is not the system, but the people operating the system. And unfortunately, the system can't run itself. A. Bomi in Islam London um, writes us an, uh, an SMS saying, I haven't the foggiest clue who my ward councillor is. Folk at the municipal office don't know either. One day they send me to the office, uh, office A. The next day they send me to office B. The next week they send me to a whole other building uh, where I will get back, uh, sent back to office A from. So uh, that's how it goes there. And Tepo in Joburg says, why is Advocate Pansit Lakula saying she does not know her councillor when we had to directly elect all candidates on the ward ballot paper on the 3rd of August 2016? I don't know. Maybe Advocate Lakula didn't vote. Advocate Lakula? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say I do not know my ward councillor and I suddenly voted. But I think that uh, this discussion is a discussion that has to continue. What it signifies for me is that the a lack of understanding of different electoral systems that apply. People use words interchangeably. They say, let's elect our president directly. Of course, that's a different system altogether, which is the first part of the post. So if we are serious about having a debate about uh, the electoral system for this country going forward, I think there is a lot of education that has to be done so that people understand the different electoral systems because even the system that was proposed by uh, the late Fanslave Slavik was still a proportional representative system which has a mixture of party lists Hmm? and constituency-based elections. Let's leave it there, Advocate Lakula. Uh, Say that again? I'm saying let's park it there for the time being. As we said, we'll have further discussions on this. I just want to give Ibrahim 30 seconds to give us his final okay. thought. Okay. Well, 
I think it's uh, electoral system change can lead to some institutional change and some changes in the political culture, but it depends on the nature of the system changes you make. For example, smaller constituencies, greater number of MPs, retaining an indirectly elected president so that there are multiple layers of accountability, perhaps introducing a threshold. And it's always nice to say that, look, a pure first-past-the-postal constituency system works very well. Well, it doesn't. Regularly, Zimbabwean MPs, MPs in England who twice over, who are returned from constituencies who say, don't go to war in Iraq, don't change the National Health Service, their MPs actually, from constituencies, go and vote completely in contradiction to what their constituencies. Parties are a reality of the political system. We've got to make interventions in internal democracy and in the political culture of political parties. Well, thank you so much to our guest this morning, Ibrahim Fakir, Director of uh, Programs at ASRI and Advocate Plansi Tlakula, who is the current chairperson of the African Commission on Human and People's Rights. And thanks to you. A happy Freedom Day. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow bright and early, 6 a.m. to 9. And it's time for the news now with Nomsa Mdluli.